Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Bittersweet day because we have come to the end of the series that we have been doing called God Is, where we have been looking at the names of God. Names in the Old Testament, names in the New Testament matter. It's not a reference to how you should refer to somebody, as in Bill or, or Bob or Chuck. It is how you should refer to God in his title, his designation, his character, and his nature. What we've been learning about God is essentially who God is, the core of who God is, the desires that God has in his heart. We, we have learned of God that he first was Elohim. That is the creator God. It says this at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created all things. All things were created by him. We met him in that way. He is the creator. We also met him though as the Yahweh God. Yahweh is the name of God. It is who he is. The name Yahweh means the covenant keeping, the promise keeping, the never changing God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not break his word. He will not go back on his promises. Um, We met him as Adonai. Adonai is the word that means master or Lord, and that's what he wants to be over our lives, that he wants us to surrender our hearts and our lives to him, that we bow our knees and reverence him and say, God, I will give all that I am to you. I will bow down in worship of you. You will run my life, not me any longer. And that's him as Adonai. We met God as El Shaddai. El Shaddai is God Almighty. He is the immovable God. Shaddai is the picture of a mountain that does not move, and that's who God is. He's El Shaddai, but he's also caring and nurturing. He's a caregiving God as well. We met him as varieties of ways of Yahweh, Yahweh Yira, the God who sees and the God who provides. He provides for the needs that we have. We saw him as Yahweh Nissi, the Lord is our banner. When we fight battles and we're in the midst of fights and we're going through difficulties, it's his banner that flies over us and we fight in his name. We met him as Yahweh Shalom, the God who is our peace, the God who is more than peace, though it's our fullness, our completeness is found in him. We saw him as Yahweh Sidkenu, which is the Lord, our righteousness. We cannot be righteous on our own. We have no capacity to be righteous. We are fallen. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but he makes us righteous and he does the work. We met him as Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. He heals whatever hurt, whatever wound, whatever pain you have. We met him as Yahweh Roe, which is the Lord is our shepherd. He is the shepherd of our souls. And last week we met him as Yahweh Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Yahweh Yeshua is the God who is our salvation. He came in the name of salvation. He is our Yeshua. Today we are going to meet him in our final message on the God is series. We are going to meet him today as God who is with us. Let's pray and let's dive into this today. Lord, I'm just excited to open your word. 
this has been such a good series for me personally, and I hope it has been for others, just to spend that time every week just studying about your name, really learning more and more the depths of who you are and how you want us to know you. Lord, when we're hurting, you are Yahweh Rapha to us. When we are struggling in a spiritual battle, you are Yahweh Nissi. When we are doubting that you are in control of all, that you are creator, you are Elohim to us. When we feel like there is, there is something coming against us that we can't face, you are El Shaddai, the immovable God. When we're wandering, you are our shepherd. You are Yahweh Roeh. You bring us back into the fold. You protect us. You nurture us. Lord, when we need to be saved, and we all do, you are Yeshua, our salvation. Today, Lord, help us to meet you this one final way as the God who is with us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Be with us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I, I don't know about yourself, but for me, it's hard to believe that we are only six days away from Christmas. It seems like it has just snuck up on us this year. I remember being at the beginning of 2021, even saying, I think 2021 is going to be far worse than 2020. I think I was correct in that. It's been very different than 2020. It's been worse in many ways, but it's hard to believe that Christmas is right there now, just around the corner, six days away. Hopefully you've done whatever shopping you're going to do. For me personally, I am so thankful for Amazon uh, to not have to go to a store to be able to shop in my pajamas and my recliner. It's awesome. Uh, no more do we have to fight the stores and fight the crowds on Black Friday. I know that uh, Christmas means a lot of different things, but the focus of Christmas is to be the celebration of the Son of God. Now, we don't really know that that's the day that Jesus was born. Most likely it happened in the summertime. That's when, that, that's when we are are wondering about. That's when the uh, uh, studies have, have, have looked at, but nobody really knows for sure. The purpose of this time is just to reflect upon him coming at all. Him coming is an amazing thing. God longed to be with his people, and that is this name we're going to study today, Emmanuel, God with us. At Christmas, sometimes we need to recognize and remember that he is indeed with us. There are many Christians that I would describe them like the presents you see under the tree. See, these presents that you see under the tree on both sides, they are beautifully wrapped. Really nice wrapping paper. Wonderful bows on the outside, but if you opened them up and looked on the inside, you'd find that that box is empty. There are many people who are wrapped in a nice package. They have a shiny bow. They have shiny wrapping paper. But if you opened them up, you would find on the inside of them, they're very empty. And what they need more than anything is the God who is with us. The God who is with them. The God who, who enables them. The God who helps them. Instead of being an empty, shiny package, we want to be people full of the presence of the Lord. Well, today... To understand this last name, God is with us, I want to look at the prophecy that was given in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. If you have a Bible, you can follow along in that Bible, or you can watch on the screen. I'm going to be reading this for you, and let's look at what it says and understand this name of God. 
Therefore, Adonai himself will give you a sign. Now remember, anytime you see the name Adonai or the name Lord and it's capitalized, that is a reference to Yahweh. So really it's this. Therefore, Yahweh himself, the name of God himself, the promise-keeping God, the never-changing God, he will give you a sign. What is the sign? Well, the sign that's going to come in the future, this is a prophetic sign. Behold, there will be a virgin who will conceive. When she is giving birth to a son, she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, now there's some confusing things in that story, and I want to just highlight these things for you. The first thing is this. It says that when the virgin gives birth, she is going to call his name Emmanuel. Now, we know from what we studied last week, that's not what happened. God said, you will call him Yeshua, salvation. That's what his name is going to be. That's what people will refer to him as. Is God contradicting himself? Here he says, you will call him Emmanuel. There he said, you will call his name Yeshua. Can we believe God? Is he accurate or is he giving us something that is different than, uh, than what he said before? Has he changed his mind? Well, the answer to that, no, God has not changed because the word name, she will call his name, does not reference their, their, the, the, what you're going to call them every day. Again, it's not like Bill or Bob or, or Chuck. That's not what he's saying in the word name. The word name is the Hebrew word shame. Doesn't mean the same thing that we define as shame. The word shame in the Hebrew language means the one who is, uh, it means res, uh, reputation, it means fame, it means designation, and it means title. Fame is what somebody is known for. Reputation is what somebody is known for. Designation and title. So literally what it says is this. She will give birth to a son and his title will be, his designation will be, his reputation will be, his fame will be Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? Well, Emmanuel is something different also than you've probably ever heard before. Emmanuel is not a name. This is a title that's given. In fact, it's two words in the Hebrew language. The two words are these, El Imanu. Those are the two words. You will see it in this form, El Imanu, or you will see it Imanu El. Two words in the Hebrew language. So that's the question then. If this is going to be his title, his fame, his designation, and his reputation, what are the two words, El, Imanu, what do they mean? Well, here's what they mean. El is the word that means God. We have met God this way. El simply means ruler, creator, God. We met him as El-Ohim. Elohim starts with the first two letters, L. We saw him again as El Shaddai. First two letters are L. L simply means God, ruler, the creator. The creator, God, will what? Imanu. Imanu means with us. If I'm going to say, hey, uh, would you like to go with us to the store? If I was speaking Hebrew, I would say Imanu. That would just mean with us. So here's the two words, El Imanu, God with us, or Imanu El with us is God. That's the way that the word works. God with us or with us is God. So when you sing a song and you read this, Emmanuel, it's simply meaning two words, 
Emmanuel, with us is God. Literally, it is the title of a child symbolizing presence of to deliver his people. That's what Emmanuel means. It's not his name, it is his fame. This is who he will be. This is what he will do. This is what his title will be. Now, the book of Matthew, Matthew says it really the same way. Matthew 1.23, Matthew quotes Isaiah 7.14. Matthew is writing in Greek because the New Testament would have been written in Greek. It was being written this way, and he came down to the bottom of it and said, hey, by the way, in Hebrew, Emmanuel means God with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, give birth to a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means with us is God or God with us. That's great. But what does it all mean? God wanted to communicate this to his people, to his creation, that he would send a son born of a virgin and this son will be the creator, God, in the person, but this God will be with us. With us is God, Emmanuel. With us is God. Why does God want that to happen? Why did God send his son? You know, there's an amazing thread that runs throughout the Bible. And the thread starts right away in the beginning in the book of Genesis in the garden, Adam and Eve. It starts right there and this thread stretches from that moment of creation all the way until eternity future. And here's the thread that runs through. The thread is this. God has always desired to be with his people. Did you know that? He's always desired to be with his people. One of the most unique things about Christianity is this, that we have a God who always wants to be with his people. Think about this thread that runs throughout all the Bible. In the book of Genesis, the, uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden. Where was God as Adam and Eve were in the garden? How much time did he spend in the garden with them? A lot. He was there. They walked with him. They talked with him. They spent time with him. He was there with them in the garden. He wanted to be with his creation. When sin entered in the place, God removed himself because he cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot be around the unrighteousness that now has come into the world. So that is what sin does. It creates distance between you and I and God. It created distance from them and God. He wanted to be with them, but no longer could they be with him. Now he would go from that moment on through Noah, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would speak to them in ways until you got to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God set the people free from the nation of it, from Egypt. They were in Egypt. They were in bondage and in slavery. God set them free. Do you remember how God was with the people when he set them free? He went before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God never took his presence away from the people. Why? Because God wanted to be with his people. When they began to wander in the wilderness, they would set up what was called the tabernacle. 
The tabernacle was a temporary structure. It modeled what the future temple would be. The tabernacle would always be set up in the midst of the camp. People would camp around the tabernacle and that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire would land and come down upon the Holy of Holies. That is the Shekinah glory of God. And God would always be in the middle, in the midst of his people. Fast forward to the temple. The temple was made, it was built, and the glory of God came and rested upon the temple so that everybody could look to the temple and say, there is the glory of God, because God wanted to be in the midst of his people. That brought us all the way to Jesus. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that, where Jesus actually came down to be Emmanuel, with us is God, because he wanted to be in the midst of the people. I don't know if you've ever heard the story before. It's a very popular story by Paul Harvey. He shared it many decades ago, and it was a story about some birds. Have you heard this story? There was a Christmas Eve uh, day and night. A family was getting ready to go to the Christmas Eve service at church, probably 6 p.m. It was dark outside, very cold outside, and the father refused to go to Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't believe in this virgin birth. I don't believe in Jesus coming down. I, I don't believe in any of that. If you guys want to go to church, that's fine. Go ahead and go to church when you come home. Then we'll do our Christmas Eve stuff. But you guys go, I'm going to sit here by the fire. Well, that's exactly what happened. The family went and he stayed home, sat by the fire in his recliner, pulled out his newspaper and began to read the newspaper. All of a sudden, he was startled because he heard a thud at the window. He looked, and there was a bird that had flown into the window. All he could do was surmise that it was very cold outside. It was freezing temperatures outside, and the bird wanted to get into where it would be warm, where there would be light. So that's what he was surmising. He didn't pay much attention until he heard it again the second time. Hits it again against the window. Now he's getting a little bit concerned. This bird is going to hurt itself, probably going to kill itself by flying into the window. I, I, maybe I need to do something. He went outside, and as he went outside, he heard another thud against the window. So a third time, he had heard this thud against the window. He got out there, got his shoes on, uh, coat on, went outside, and the bird had hit the window and fallen on the ground, so the guy thought, I'm going to try to pick it up and save it. He went over to try to pick it up, and you know, catching a bird is almost impossible. You, he, he couldn't get it, and the bird hopped into a bush. He tried to reach into the bush, and he could not reach the bird. The bird was tucked away too far, far and he was starting to scrape up his arms. He was getting really frustrated, and he would say, oh, you, you stupid bird, why can't you get it? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to come to your rescue here. Why can't you get this? He kept reaching for the bird, trying to get the bird, couldn't get it. He wanted to help the bird, to save the bird, but the bird didn't know that. The bird was, I'm sure, confused and stunned and dazed, and you can't trust uh, humans. And so the bird was not able to be caught. The man in his frustration, again, you stupid bird, I, I'm trying to help you. I know, if only I could become a bird and explain to you what it's all about that I'm trying to help you, to explain to you where to fly for safety. When he said that, he, th he thought about what he just said. If only I could become a bird 
And the story went that all of a sudden, then the church bells rang. He heard the church bells and it just spoke to his heart that he realized that Jesus came to be among them, to explain to them, to help them, provide for them the way of salvation. And that story goes on to say that that moment, the guy knelt down and gave his life and his heart to the Lord, realizing this is exactly why he came of a virgin birth to be born, to come to humanity, because God wanted to be with his people. That's the amazing thing, that God came down to be among us. In fact, in the book of John, 1 John, verses 1 through 14, here's what it says. In the beginning was the word... Now, now, the word in Greek thought was the meaning of life. The Greeks would often wrestle with this idea of the logos. What is the, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? What is the significance of life? What is the word? Well, John says it's Jesus. That's who it is. Jesus is the word. He is the meaning of life, the purpose of life, the significance of life. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was in, with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. And apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. There came a man that was sent from God whose name was John. John came as a witness to testify about the light that, so that through him, everyone might believe. Now, John was not the light, but he came to bear witness concerning the light. The true light coming into the world gives light to every man. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, but, he did not know, but uh, his own did not receive him. But whoever did receive him, those trusting in his name, to these he gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of a bloodline, nor of human desire, nor of man's will, but of God. And the word, Jesus, became flesh, and he tabernacled among us. Note that word, he tabernacled among us. Remember what I just said? In the, in the desert, the Israelites were led free, and, and when they were in free and they were wandering around, they created the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was the place where God's presence came. It's the same word, that Jesus came to dwell among the people because he came to be Emmanuel, with us is God. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and the only from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's my question as we, as we really head toward the end of this message. God is with us. He is come to be with us. He is Emmanuel, with us is God, or El Emanu, God with us. He wants to be with his creation. He longs to be with his people. We have to be in right relationship to be with him. But what, why does he do that? What's the, what's the result of God's presence in my life? See, see, Jesus, it didn't stop at Jesus. Jesus came to be among the people, but then he ascended into heaven. When he ascended into heaven, he said, don't worry about it because I'm going to send to you a helper who will be helpful, suitable for you. That is the Holy Spirit who's come to dwell in the hearts 
of the believer, the per- person who gives their hearts and their lives to him, who follows him. The spirit of God comes. Why? So he can dwell with us forever. And then one day, he will take you and I into eternity. You'll either die as a believer and you will go to heaven or you will die as an unbeliever and you will go to hell. When you die as a believer, you go to heaven, you are with him forever. Don't grieve people that have already passed on if they were believers in Christ because they have gone on to be with him forever. If you aren't, if you don't die, but you are here when the Lord returns, then he will gather you up and take you to be with him where he will be forever. Not only in heaven, but the new Jerusalem, the new earth that he plans. See, that's the thread throughout all of the Bible. God wants to be with his people. God wants to be the God who is with us. He wants to be with us is God. So what is the result in my life when I have accepted the Lord and I have the presence of God in me? No longer am I an empty package. Now I am full of the spirit of God. What does he do in my life? Well, let me give you real quickly, this will go quick, six things that God does in our lives. And don't worry that it's six, it's gonna go fast. Number one is this, have you ever, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever felt unlovable? Have you ever felt unforgivable? Have you ever felt like the things that I have done have caused everyone to reject me and nobody will ever accept me again? Any of you wrestle with that feeling, a feeling of being unlovable? Well, I have good news for you. If you have that, God with me gives me, the presence of God with me gives me love. Do you know that's one of the things that God gives to us? He gives us love. It is an undeserved love. It's an unearned love. It is purely by his grace and mercy. But he, out of loving us, gives us love. So no longer are you unlovable. You are loved by the creator God, the God who is with us. John 3, 16 and 17. Most of you know 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God did that out of not wanting to just condemn you or condemn me out of loving you and loving me. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Do you know and do you believe the love that God has for you? I'll tell you what. When you understand the love of God and how much he genuinely loves you, even though you have felt unlovable and rejectable all your life, it will radically change you from the inside out. When you know how much he loves you. Well, how about number two? Number two, what's the second thing? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt worthless and insignificant? Ever? Do some of you feel that today? I feel worthless, I feel insignificant. Well, here's the good news. God with me gives me significance. What do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it this way. I'm gonna gonna share a statement with you and I want you, I'm gonna share it a couple times because I want you to remember this statement. Here's the statement. Value is determined by the price willing to be paid, okay? 
Value is determined by the price that is willing to be paid. Let me give you some examples of this that are just crazy. I was just reading this past week an article that a Pokemon, do you guys know what Pokemon is? Pokemon, okay, we didn't need the applause, but Pokemon, a Pokemon card, trading card, sold at auction, forget this, for $183,812. $183,812. Does that make you just want to go start searching through your closets and drawers to see maybe I'll sell in a heartbeat? I don't care about, I would. Is that crazy or what? An unopened Nintendo Super Mario Brothers video game. So it's an original one. Sold at auction for $2 million. Are people nuts? Would you pay that kind of money for anything? The value is determined by the price that is willing to be paid. Now get this. Your value is determined, not by you, not by how you've done, not by if you've earned it or performed good enough. Your value is determined by the price that was willing to be paid for you. What price did Jesus pay for you? He gave his life for you, which means you have value. You have significance. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. But he was willing to pay the price for you. It says in Romans 5, 8, these words. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. He died. That's where your value comes from. It does not come from anything you do. It doesn't come from you earning it. It doesn't come from how wonderful you are. Your value comes from the price that someone was willing to pay for you. He paid his life. That's why you have significance. Okay? Number three, have you ever felt discontent, anxious, or unpeaceful? Well, I've got good news. God with me gives me peace. I can't manufacture it on my own. He gives me peace. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to accomplish it. It is something that he gives to me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace you were surely called in one body. Also be thankful. Let the peace of Christ. You don't come up with the peace. He provides the peace because he's God with me. He provides me peace. So, so if you've ever felt unlovable, he brings you love. If you've ever felt discontent and anxiety, he brings you peace. If you have ever felt um, insignificant and worthless, he brings you significance. Number four, have you ever felt lonely or alone? Well, good news, God with me gives me belonging. People want to belong. They want to find a place where they can fit in, where they can, where they can belong to a group. 
And so people find groups everywhere. Some are not very healthy groups that they find. It's all driven out of loneliness and feeling alone and wanting to belong. Ephesians 1.5, it says, God predestined us for adoptions as sons through Messiah Yeshua. He has adopted us. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again into fear. Rather, you received the spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Adoption is so amazing. I admire people who have adopted. I admire ones that have been adopted. It's an incredible thing. There's a real difference between adoption and natural birth. Obviously, beyond just the obvious um, biological things, Sometimes people find themselves having a child and not wanting to have a child. You know what I mean? It's almost an oops. What are we going to do? Now this is a mess. How are we going to handle this? And there's a real difference between that and someone who's adopted. Because when you're adopted, there is a wantedness to it. Sometimes through natural birth, there's not a wantedness, but through adoption, there always is. I want this child. I want them to be a part of my family. I want, I'm going to, I'll spend whatever price I have to spend. I'll pay whatever I have to pay. I'll jump through any hoops that I have to jump through because I want them to be a part of my family. I, I choose them. Do you know that God wants you and he's willing to adopt you? He chooses you, and that's God's presence. God with me brings me belonging. I am wanted by him, adopted by him, by which I can even cry out, Abba, Father, which means dad, daddy, daddy, daddy God. I can cry. I can have that kind of a relationship with him. I know that seems irreverent, but it's the way we can approach him. Number five. Have you ever felt like a lack of purpose, aimless, directionless, wondering, why am I even here? Well, I got good news for you. God gives me, with me, God with me gives me purpose. I have a purpose. I have work that I am to do. God has called me for a specific reason. There are no accidents. You were not put here by mistake. You have a purpose. 1 Peter 2 tells us what that purpose is. Verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And here's the purpose part. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to proclaim the praises of God who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Your purpose is not the job you go to. Your purpose is not anything beyond proclaiming God, proclaiming his praises, the one who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. You have purpose. Final one, have you ever felt hopeless? Ever felt hopeless? Good news, God with me gives me hope. So think about this. You ever felt unlovable? Have you ever felt worthless? Have you ever felt discontent? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt a lack of purpose? 
Have you ever felt hopeless? If you felt any of those things, you are like the rest of the world. Everybody feels that. God is the only one who can meet every one of those needs. God with me gives me love. It gives me significance. It gives me belonging. Gives me purpose. Gives me hope. In 1927, there was a submarine. It was a U.S. submarine, and they were early in the submarine, you know, building these submarines. It was called the USS S-4. This submarine in 1927 was in, uh, in, in American waters, and it was just doing normal maneuvers, normal procedures. It came up, it, it, it submerged, uh, is that the right word, Submer- no. Anyway, you know what it means. It came up to the surface. Popped out of the surface. I don't know what it means. Okay, came up, and there was a Coast Guard ship that did not see the submarine. They wouldn't have had radars at the time. Rammed into this submarine, causing a hole, causing it to fill with water, losing power, and it dropped, and it sank right to the bottom of the ocean. There were six sailors on this ship, and they were panicked, obviously, I can't even imagine what that would have felt like or been like. But they were, the, the submarine was filling with water. They were trying to breathe and they were just, they were just getting to the you know, top of the submarine where they could just, any little bit of air, any little space of air, they were there trying to breathe. A diver was dispatched and got to the wreck and the diver heard tapping with a hammer coming from the inside of the submarine. And the tapping was in Morse code, and the code was this, is there any hope? That was what the sailor was tapping out. Is there any hope? That's what every person is needing. Is is there any hope? Is there any hope in this world? This world has become darker We are steadily marching toward the Lord's return. We are steadily marching toward more and more chaos, more and more destruction, more and more problems, more and more persecution. It is getting darker. You don't even have to believe me. Just watch the news and you can tell that it's getting darker. We are marching toward that and people are crying out all around us, is there any hope? The only place that hope is found is in Emmanuel. God with us. God with us brings hope. Hope is the expectation and the anticipation that there's something beyond this, something that I can look forward to, something that I can hang on to. That's where hope is. 1 Peter 1.13, it says this, So brace your minds for action, keep your balance, and set your hope, set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus the Christ. That's where your hope is. God with us is an amazing, incredible concept. It is what we celebrate at the Christmas season. We celebrate the fact that he came, born of a virgin, to be Emmanuel, God with us. With us is God in order to save the world, in order to to be with his creation, in order to give the unlovable love, to give the worthless worth, the insignificant significance, the lonely belonging, the discontent peace, the purposeless purpose, and the hopeless 
hope. Do you know Emmanuel today? Have you accepted him into your heart? Have you trusted him with your life? Have you committed your heart to follow him? It's not about anybody else. It's about you and God. Do you know him like that today? If you don't know him, you need to know him. There's no more important decision that you can ever make with your life than you put your trust, your faith, your hope in Yeshua, in Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, that's my hope and my prayer today is that there is not a person here that is either here in person or watching online that would go from this place before they make this decision to say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be God with me today. I know I have sinned. I know I have fallen short. I know I deserve nothing other than punishment from you. But I accept your gift of salvation. I accept your gift of your son. I trust in you. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me and help me to be uh, just walking with you as the God who is present in my life, the God who is with me. Lord, for the ones that struggle, feeling like they're so unlovable, I pray today that you would be Emmanuel with them, that you would be God loving them. For the ones that really struggle with significance and feel so worthless, I pray, Lord, that they would understand the value and the price that you paid for them. It's not about them. It's about what you are willing to pay. That we have value because of you, not because of us. For the ones today, Lord, that are struggling, feeling so discontent, such a lack of peace, I pray, Lord, that you would be the God who is peace in their hearts today. For the ones that feel so lonely and all alone, I pray, Lord, today that you would remind them that they belong to you. They are never alone. They're part of your family. You have adopted them as sons and daughters into your family. They are heirs of your family. For the ones that feel such a lack of purpose, wondering, why am I even here? I should have never been born. I pray for them today, that person today, that they would understand that you have given them a calling. You have given them a purpose. It's all about you. Father, I pray for the ones that feel so hopeless today. They feel so hopeless. They don't have nothing to hold on to, that they would start holding on to you, that you would become that hope for them. You are God with us. And I am so grateful and so thankful for that. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to leave this building and be the church as we go out into this community that we would proclaim your praises everywhere we go. We thank you and we love you. We pray these things in the powerful and the precious name of Yeshua Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information.
Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.